Amen. Thank you, worship team. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Amen. We serve a powerful God, a gracious, merciful, and loving God. We serve a God that desires to have an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. Go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and open with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 this morning, we are going to make our way through verses 12 through 21, really the end of the chapter of chapter 3, as we talk about striving for maturity, striving for maturity in our walk with the Lord. And so here is sort of the question that I have for us as we begin this morning. Do you want more from your relationship with Christ? Do you want to grow deeper in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you want a more intimate walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? I hope that the answer to that question is a yes. An overwhelming, emphatic yes. I want more of Jesus. I want to know Him more. I want a more intimate relationship with Him. I want more and more and more of Jesus. Well, that's what Paul is talking about this morning. He's talking about us striving for spiritual maturity. And even in the title, Striving for Spiritual Maturity, I want you to sort of know up front... This is going to take effort on our part. Amen? This is not a laid-back, sit-back faith that we have in the Lord Jesus whereby He not only saves us, but He brings us to maturity and all we do is kick back in our recliners and sort of let things happen. There is this awesome sort of dichotomy that exists in the faith whereby, yes... Jesus does everything when it comes to our salvation. We bring nothing to the table. We are saved by grace and by faith, not of works or any effort on our part. Jesus is the one who completely, totally, and absolutely saves us. Amen? It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Him. Amen? However... Once I am saved, once I have been redeemed, once I've been brought back into a right relationship with the Lord, Paul clearly tells us in Ephesians that we have been created for good works that God has prepared for us beforehand. In other words, God knew He was going to save us because it's up to God, not us. Amen? And He had created already these works that He wanted us to accomplish as we walk with Jesus. And so when we are living out our faith, when we are accomplishing those things that God has called us to accomplish, it takes effort. It takes striving for maturity. And that's exactly what Paul is going to talk about this morning. So in the text, we're going to see five ways that we can strive for spiritual maturity in this text. And so let's read starting in verse 12. We're going to make our way through verse 21. And we're looking out for these five ways that we can strive For spiritual maturity. Paul begins in verse 12. He says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, 
Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this great and wonderful text this morning that, Lord, enables us to know how we can strive for maturity. Lord, I pray that every one of us in here that is a follower of Jesus, every one of us that has been saved by your grace, Lord, that we would all desperately desire more of you, that we would want to grow in our knowledge and in our relationship with you, that we would want to become more and more mature in our walk with Jesus. Lord, I pray that you give us that desire and that as we walk through this text, we see how to make that happen in our walk with you. Lord, I also thank you that, Lord, this is not up to us to do on our own. Lord, you want us to strive for this. But, Lord, you're the one who's going to bring us to completion. You're the one who's going to complete the good work that you've already begun in us. Lord, it takes effort on our part, but our effort is never in vain because when we put forth the effort, you're the one who actually accomplishes the growth and the task in our lives. Lord, I also pray for anyone here today that does not yet know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, anyone listening online, Lord, I pray that you would help them to clearly hear the truth of the gospel. And Lord, they would respond in saving faith to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, in the text again, we're going to see five ways that we can strive for spiritual maturity. Number one, press on to reach the goal of knowing Christ. Number one, we are to press on to reach the goal of knowing Christ. Now, as always, context is king. Context is the key to us understanding this text accurately. And so what I want you to do in keeping with that idea is I want you to join me back in the Scripture as we reread verses 8 through 11 because I want us to see the context of what Paul has just said so we will now understand what he is saying in verse 12. And so here's what Paul just said in chapter 3. In verse 8, he said, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that God or excuse me, from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, 
and that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Listen, Paul just went through this beautiful description whereby he has gladly given up all things for the sake of knowing Christ and gaining Christ with full confidence that that is going to result one day in his resurrection from the dead where he will be in glory with Jesus for all of eternity. However, given the cultural context that Paul was writing in, Paul wanted to make sure that his audience did not misunderstand what he was saying. And so Paul goes on in verse 12 and he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. You see, Paul is sort of walking this road and he is trying his best to avoid ditches on either side. On one side, what was very common in the culture was the side that we can be made perfect by our efforts and our achievements. As a matter of fact, Paul echoed this back in verse 6 of chapter 3 when he was going through his former spiritual accomplishments, those accomplishments that he now said he values them as poop, right? As rubbish, as dung, as nothing. He said, according to the law, I am, I was blameless. Now, was he actually blameless? Did Paul have no sin? Of course not. But just like the Pharisees in Jesus' day, there were still Jews during this day that thought they could be given perfection because of their accomplishments in the law. Paul says, I want to avoid that ditch that you might not think that I've already arrived. Paul says, I have not yet obtained this. I am not perfect. I am still a long ways away from being like Jesus. Amen? How many of us can relate to that? Amen? We, we get to feeling pretty good. We've walked with Jesus closely. We've done good. And after 9 o'clock in the morning, right? After that, and we start struggling, amen? And life begins to happen and things begin to be more difficult for us and we can relate to Paul. We have not yet arrived. We are nowhere near perfection. And if we're being really honest, we will acknowledge and fully understand what Scripture makes clear. We have no hope of perfection until we go home to be with Jesus, Amen? And we have no hope of doing good unless Christ works in us and through us. Amen? And so Paul says, I am not perfect. But Paul also wants to avoid the other ditch. Because on one side of the road, there's the ditch that you can be perfect if you just try hard enough. And on the other side of the ditch, there is the hopeless reality that you cannot be perfect. Therefore, why not just give in to the desires of the flesh? Right? And Paul was talking to this audience as well. As a matter of fact, in verses 18 and 19, Paul will address this specifically. Paul says, I want you to understand completely. We have been called to an impossible task to where we are supposed to be like Jesus. Praise God, we are being conformed into the image of Christ, not by our effort, but by God's power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen? But Paul says that doesn't mean it doesn't take effort on our part. Don't think I've arrived and don't give in to fleshly desires and earthly sin. Paul says instead you have to put forth effort to grow. That's why Paul, notice what he says. He says, I press on in verse 12. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This is a beautiful picture of how Paul was striving for spiritual maturity. Paul says this, because Jesus chose me, I choose Jesus. Amen? He says, Christ Jesus has made me His own, 
And therefore, I am pressing on. I am actively working at making Christ my own. Paul says, I am trying my best to grow in my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what Paul says is he says, I have not yet gained Christ. Now, what is Paul talking about? Well, according to what we looked at in verses 8 through 11, there's two real key themes there that Paul addresses that we see prevalent in those verses that Paul then says in verse 12, I've not yet attained this. Paul is talking about knowing Christ and gaining Christ. Now, when Carrie and I were dating, I had a specific goal every time we hung out together. And and, and you can relate to this. I wanted to get to know her better each and every moment that we spent together because I had a goal, and my goal was that I wanted to gain Carrie as my wife. Right? And so I I, I wanted to get her. Amen? And I mean that in every sense of the word. Like, like here, here's how this thing works. Like, I want to get to know her better, and I want to, her not to get to know me as well. Right? Like, like I'm, I'm hiding my dirty laundry, trying to get to know her better, because i got this selfish goal. I want to gain her. Right? I want to fool her into saying yes when I ask her, will you marry me? Right? right. Amen? Come on, guys, you know that's what you did, right? That's, that's what we all do, right? And then you get married, and six months into the marriage, you're going, the ladies are going, do you not know how to put the lid down on the toilet seat? Like, you realize those dirty underwear can actually make it into the hamper if you put forth just a little bit of effort, and you're like, I fooled you. Ha! Take that, right? Right? Well, listen, in the very same way, we are the bride of Christ, And we are trying to gain more knowledge of Jesus so that we can gain more of an intimate relationship with Christ. But here's the awesome news. Unlike your husband, Jesus will not let you down. He is perfect. Amen? Amen? Come on, lady. Say it loud and proud, right? Right? We know you're not perfect either, but you're probably better than we are. And so listen, that's the beauty of this thing. God has called us into an intimate relationship with Him. He is perfect, right? He's glorious. He has no need to grow, no room for growth. He's already completely perfect. But He calls us into this intimate relationship with Him whereby He is transforming us into His perfect image. And what it takes is for us to continue to grow in our knowledge of Jesus and grow in our relationship with Christ. And Paul says because of that, I've given up everything else in life. I count all that stuff as nothing, and I am pressing on. I am striving forward. I am working hard to make Jesus my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. But then notice what else Paul says in verse 13. Just to reiterate, he says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Notice that phrase, One thing I do. Paul says, if there's anything I can tell you, if there's any information that you can gain from me, he says, listen to this. This is the one thing. This is the important thing. He gives us two thoughts here. He says, first of all, forgetting what lies behind. Now, Paul doesn't give us details about what he is forgetting. He's not, he doesn't tell us exactly what he's forgetting. What that leaves us to believe is Paul is saying, I'm not looking back, period. I'm forgetting what lies behind me, both the good and the bad. Because the reality is, if we look back too often, we will be distracted and will not be able to move forward. 
Right? So forget about the bad things that you have done and that have happened in your life. Now, when I say forget about them and don't look back, I don't mean that you don't have to deal with those things. You have to deal with the difficulties that you faced. In other words, confess sin, deal with your own sin, and listen, process the difficulties and the sinfulness that's been done to you. Right? We've got to process those things. We have to deal with those things. The reality is not only do we sin, but people sin against us. Right? Sometimes in big, horrible, and horrific ways. And so I'm not saying act like those things don't exist, act like those things didn't happen. That's not what Paul means here. What Paul says is I'm no longer focusing on those things because I've dealt with those things. I'm forgetting what lies behind so that instead, secondly, I can move forward. Notice what he says. I am striving for. I am straining for. The imagery here is of a racer that is leaning forward, trying to inch closer to the finish line. Paul says, I am putting forth great effort. Notice what he says in verse 13. He says, I am straining forward to what lies ahead. And then Paul says, I press on. I press on to the, toward the goal of the upward call of Christ Jesus. Paul says, I am making every effort possible to grow in my knowledge and in my relationship with Christ. So the question then becomes, okay, Paul, we're not literally running a race. How do we do that? How do you and I press on? How, how, do, we, how do we give every effort to knowing Christ and to growing in our relationship with Christ? Well, like any relationship, it takes time invested and time spent. Amen? Listen, for better or worse, the longer you're married, the better you know your spouse. Right? Right? For better or for worse. Amen? <laughs> like, we get to know each other. The more and more we spend time with one another, the more we get to know each other. The same is true in our relationship with Christ. How do we t- spend time with Jesus? Well, we spend time in His Word. Amen? And, and by the way, I know you get tired of pastors saying this, but the reality is there's no shortcut, right? Like you can't, you can't just say, God, give me more knowledge of you and then not spend time in his word. Like this is, this is key. This is, this is unbelievably important, amen? So spend time in it. You gotta spend time in the word and then you have to spend time in prayer listening to the Lord, right? Relationships and communication go both ways, right? So I'm, I'm praying to the Lord But then I also need to learn, and this is a valuable lesson that I've learned later in life, I need to learn how to sit and be quiet and listen. Amen? How many many times do you have to tell your children or your grandchildren, stop and just listen for a second? But, 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 no, 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 no. Stop and listen. Right? How many times is the Lord wanting to say, stop and listen? Right? Quit trying to do something. Sit down. And listen, Will, just stop what you're doing. You're making it worse. Listen. Amen? And so I need to spend time in the Word, time in prayer, time listening, and then believe it or not, time with the body. This is key. This is huge. We've not been called to a lone ranger faith. We have been called to do this together. Amen? And we need one another. That's why us assembling together, gathering together is so important. And so we have to spend time with Jesus in order to grow in our knowledge of Christ and our relationship with Christ, right? Time in the Word, time in prayer, time listening, and time with the body. So we have to press on. We have to actively press on 
waiting for the day that we will be made perfect. As he says in verse 14, waiting for the day that we will receive the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If we want to be mature in our faith, we have to press on to reach the goal of knowing Christ. Secondly, we have to set our minds on the true things of God. Look with me in verse 15. Set your mind on the true things of God. Paul says it this way. Let those of us who are mature think this way. The reality is we will only act out what we really and truly believe. Right? Right? If I, if I think, well, I don't have a chair behind me. But if I did have a chair behind me and I thought the chair would hold me, I'd sit down. Right? I only act out what I actually believe. Right? And so, so the reality is, Paul is giving us an important key here. He says that you're only going to strive to grow in your relationship with Christ if you think it's worth it. If you think it's actually valuable. Right? That's why he says, let those of you who are mature to think this way. In other words, if we want to be mature, we have to think and act like Paul is telling us we have to value the things of God as more valuable and important than anything else in life. We have to get to the point where everything but Jesus is rubbish to us and all we want is more of Jesus. Now the reality is that's hard for us to do. Amen? Listen, we're surrounded by this world. Like like, like we... This world is happening all around us, amen? There are constantly things vying for our attention, vying for our time. There's constantly distractions coming in and out. We are constantly being told, this is important, this is necessary, you must do this, 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 this. And we're constantly, what, what, what? And trying to get everything done, running ourselves rampant, running crazy, frantically trying to do everything that people are telling us to do. And all the while, the Lord's going, where are you making time for me? Right? And so Paul says, that's why I had to count everything else as worthless. Because what I really need is I need Jesus. And so we have to have a proper mindset. It means that we have to understand that knowing Christ is better than anything else. It means we have to understand that an intimate relationship with Jesus is better than everything else. It means we have to understand that Jesus is primary. Everything else is secondary. It means we have to understand that our relationship with Jesus is eternal, therefore it's the only thing that's actually going to matter in the long run. Amen? We have to think like that. Now the reality is we all acknowledge that, we'll all amen that, but we have to get to the place where we're actually thinking like that. And you know how you can tell if you're thinking like that? You'll only act out what you believe. When we start living like that, we'll know that we're thinking like that. Amen? And so Paul says you have to set your mind on the things of God. However, Paul acknowledges we may not always agree on all points. Look at what he says in verse 15. He says, let those who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So here's what Paul means there in verse 15. He says, you have to agree on the major things. But there are minor things that you probably aren't going to agree on. And we're going to let God work out those details according to your life, your circumstances, and what's going on. Right? 
So let me give you an example here. All right, so we won't take a poll, but just in your mind, sort of vote here. All right, so what's better, Sunday school or small group? What's better, contemporary or traditional music? What's a better translation? The King James Version, the English Standard Version, the Holman Christian Standard Version, the NIV? All right. Guess what? None of those things matter. Right? None of those things are truly, completely important. We'll work out the details according to our situation, our context, and what works best for us. Amen? And what Paul says is, listen, you may not agree on the little things all the time. That's okay. What you've got to agree on are the major things, the true things of God, those things that you have already, verse 16, attained. So what have we already attained? Well, we have attained a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's primary. Amen? And we've attained that by believing in the gospel, which is primary. What's the gospel? It's the truth that God sent His Son Jesus into this earth to pay the price for sin that you and I owed by dying on the cross. And that God not only allowed His Son to die on the cross for our sins, but He victoriously raised Him from the dead, defeating death and the grave. And if we will repent of our sin, believing in who Jesus is and what He did on the cross, and if we will commit to following Him, we will be saved by faith in Jesus alone. Amen? We hold on to that truth. We believe that together. Amen? We value our partnership in the gospel. Why? Because we've been made brothers and sisters in Christ. We've been made a part of the same body. We've attained that. That's been given to us by God's grace through faith in Jesus. We hold on to that. Amen? We, we hold on to our spiritual maturity. We, ha- we hold on to the knowledge we've already gained concerning Christ while actively trying to get more and more knowledge about Jesus. Those things we've attained already, we hold on to those things. Amen? But those things that are smaller, less important, those things that we might not ever fully, completely agree on, we let God work those things out. Right? Those things aren't really all that important. Right? We'll, we'll figure those things out together. We can agree to disagree on some of those things because those things don't really matter. What matters is us walking with Jesus together. Amen? And so Paul says, listen, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna need to hold on to the true things of God. You're going to need to hold on, verse 16, to whatever is true and what you have already attained. The unity we have in Christ, the knowledge we've gained in Christ, our relationship with Christ and one another, all those things of God that we have attained, we hold on to those things by setting our minds on Christ. All who want to be mature, all who are mature set your mind on these things amen you want to grow in your walk with the lord you got to think rightly press on to reach the goal of knowing christ set your mind on the true things of god and then thirdly look to the example of those who are mature i love verse 17 very very helpful brothers join in in imitating me and Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Now, I've always been impressed by Paul's boldness here. Paul says this elsewhere in Scripture as well. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Here Paul says, keep your eyes on me, imitate me, and look for 
for godly examples to follow as well. I'm always a little nervous about telling people to follow my example. Because the reality is, you nor I am perfect. Amen? We are far from perfect. But guess what? Acknowledge that about himself. He's already said, I've not yet obtained, I have not arrived, I am not perfect. But yet Paul still can say, imitate me. How? Because Paul knows that in those areas in his life where God is working and God is moving, God can use that as an example for someone else. And so here Paul says, I want you to imitate me and I want you to keep your eyes on other godly examples. So what does that mean for us? It means that while we acknowledge that not all people or no one is perfect, there are certainly those in our life that are walking with Jesus the way that we want to walk with Jesus. Amen? you got those people in your life, right? When you look at them, you think, and you might even say, man, when I, because I, 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 I used to be younger, I'm, I'm kind of no longer younger, but I remember as, a, as kind of a younger man, I would say, man, when I, when I get to be that age, I hope I'm walking with Jesus like that. All right, they used to be. Now that I am that age, I'm going, man, I hope I'm walking with Jesus the way that I said I wanted to walk with Jesus when I was this age, right? And I'm still looking towards those who are older and even some that are younger, and I'm saying, man, I, I want to walk with Jesus the way they're walking with Jesus. So how do we, how do, we do this? Well, if we're going to look towards godly examples, first of all, let's look toward those that we already have a relationship with. All right? And here, here's why I say that. I fully and completely believe that God is sovereign. God is in control. Therefore, he brings people into our lives and enables us to have relationships with people because that's what God wants us to do, right? And so when I'm looking for an example, I'm not looking for someone, first of all, that I don't know that's way off somewhere. No, I want to look around the room, right? Who has God already brought into my life? Who's a, who's a church member that I can look up to? Who's a co-worker that, that I can look up to? Who's a family member that I can look up to? Who is an example to me already that God's already brought into my life? I want to look for those people, and then I want to try to spend more time with them if possible. Right? I want to, I want to look for those godly examples that God has already brought into my life. And then another second application here that's helpful is I want to look for people that are doing things good that I need to work on, right? So here, here's what I mean by that. Do you, do you struggle with evangelism? Right, does evangelism and just like talking about Jesus to people come natural to you? Probably not, right? Those with the gift of evangelism, that's a small percentage of people. So listen, if you find somebody with the gift of evangelism that's just really, really good at sharing their faith, spend time with that person. Amen? Like, 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 there's an area I need to grow in, therefore I'm going to look for an example that's doing it well, and then I'm going to spend time and learn from that person. Right? Find those who have godly marriages. If you want your marriage to be strengthened, hang out with a husband or a wife involved in a godly marriage and learn. Right? You'll learn they're not perfect. Amen? Right? But there's things that you can pick up on. There's things that you can gain. Right? You see someone that's got a great knowledge of Scripture, learn from them. Right? Ask them, how much time do you spend studying? What have you studied? Where, where have you gained some of this knowledge from? Right? Learn. Look for people that are doing things you want to do well. Look for those people who are already doing them well and build a relationship with them. 
right? All right, third, another great, great source of examples, look towards those who have already passed on those great heroes of the faith, right? Read autobiographies and biographies of saints who have passed on before. Find Old Testament stories where people were just knocking it out of the park for the king. You will learn in all of those biographies, autobiographies, all those examples in scriptures that God uses sinners like us. Amen? We all fall flat on our face sometimes really, really hard. Amen? Father Abraham, yeah, look, look deep there. Right? You'll see some good, but you'll see some not so good. Amen? Right? David, the man after God's own heart, look deep there. You'll see some good and you'll see some stuff I hope you've never done in your life. Right? Right? And what we begin to learn by looking at people in Scripture, looking at those who have gone on before, whether they're Bible figures and characters or whether they're, they're autobiographies of saints that have passed on, we learn from their example. And then fourth, try to be an example to others. Right? Because here's the, here's the key. Every one of us in this building, every one of us watching online, just read verse 17 together. Brothers, join in imitating me. All of us, therefore, are supposed to follow the example of Paul and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. All of us are to be looking for examples that are living like Paul. You know what that means? That means that someone might be looking at you. That's sobering, right? Because let's be honest, when you first read verse 17, I'm looking around for godly people going, let me find some examples. And I forget that I've got folks looking at me. That I need to be able to say to my son, to my daughter, that I need to be able to say to our young adults, you follow me as I follow Jesus. Right? And you need to be able to do the same. All right, this is not, this is not something that only pastors, deacons, or leaders of the church. No, no, all of us, all of us have somebody looking up to us, I can almost assure you. Right? And so we want to be a godly example for others to follow. Are we perfect? No. No, not this side of heaven. Right? But one day, good news, we'll die. Sounds like good news, amen? Right? And then we will be made perfect, right? Right? To live is Christ, to die is gain. And so we're not perfect yet, but I want you to understand God has called us to be an example. As a matter of fact, Paul's already demonstrated this in the philippians paul in this text says imitate me paul in chapter 2 said look at the example of jesus that he set in humility on the cross and then paul in chapter 2 said by the way look at the example of these godly brothers timothy and epaphroditus paul is telling the philippians look around there's godly examples all around you right obviously our ultimate example is jesus right we would put paul as a close second to that right in our own lives even though we know paul wasn't perfect and paul is just saying philippian church corinth Look around for godly examples. Imitate Paul and then look at others who are living a life of spiritual maturity. So, press on to reach the goal of knowing Christ. Set your mind on the true things of God. Look to the examples of those who are mature. And then four, avoid the trap of focusing on earthly things. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, point four and point five are going to get a little personal. All right, so as I want you to just go ahead and be, be, be prepared, be aware, and, and let's, just, let's just get through these knowing that God is likely to bring conviction here, right? And I want you to remember ahead of time, God disciplines the child whom he loves, right? So Lord, 
Convict us where we need to be convicted. Amen? Right? Convict us where we need to be convicted. Look with me in verse 18. Paul says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory in their shame with minds that are set on earthly things. So what we need to do, fourthly, is we need to avoid the trap of focusing on earthly things. Now Paul here writes about this group of people that it appears that Paul like loves. Because Paul says, I write these things with tears. Like So Paul is broken hearted that he is describing these people in this way. But here he says that these are enemies of the cross of Christ. Now that doesn't mean that they're necessarily like those who are adamantly opposed to the church. What Paul means by this is that these are those who likely profess faith in Christ. They profess to be followers of God, yet in their daily lives they are living as enemies of the cross. They're pushing people away from Jesus, not bringing people to Jesus. Paul says follow the godly example in verse 17, but avoid these examples in verses 18 and 19. Notice that contrast. 17, look to those who are living like me. Verses 18, don't follow these people. Right? And then notice the description he gives of these people. He says, first of all, their end is destruction. They are not true believers. They are fooling others and likely fooling themselves into thinking that they are legitimate followers of Christ, but their lives clearly point to the fact that they are not following Jesus. What are they following? Notice, their God is their belly. This does not mean they like food a lot. Or we would all be in a lot of trouble. Amen? What does this mean? It means that they are serving the desires of the flesh instead of serving God. They are giving in to lustful desires, desires of the flesh. They are taking their joy out of the pleasures of the world. Remember when we started, there were two ditches. There was one that said, I'm perfect based upon my good effort. And there was the other ditch that said, I can't be perfect. I might as well give in. This is that ditch. Those who, who just give in to whatever their flesh desires. And if we're being honest with one another, our flesh very rarely desires good things. Amen? Like just being brutally honest. If I, if I do what my flesh desires, then I'm living in sin big time. But yet, notice, their God whom they serve is their belly. They are serving their flesh and their desires. They glory in their shame. Those things that they ought to be ashamed of, that we ought not to even mention with pride, they glory in those things. That's where they get their self-worth, right? They're, they're living it up. And they're, they're glorying in that. That's, that's what they're all about. He says their glory is their shame with mindset on earthly things. Here, here's the key here that I want you to see and don't misunderstand. This is not describing those who are just like partying and living this like honestly sinful life that are in debauchery and just, just like in filthy, filthy sin. This is talking about anybody who's living as if this life is the only life that matters. That may be the person that's, you know, drunk in a ditch somewhere because they partied too hard the night before. But it may also be the person that's spending 90 hours at work instead of any time with the Lord because 
that's all that matters to that person. Right? It may be the person that is die hard about anything, you name it, but not die hard about Jesus. I told you it was going to hurt a little bit. Right? And as I like to remind you, like you get a few minutes of hurt. I've had all week to hurt. Right? Been, been, been preparing this for a while. And so just, just let's avoid the trap of focusing on earthly things. And I want you to understand, it is a trap. It's a scheme of the devil. And it's one that all of us have to be aware of every single day. Right? Like, it's, it's not something that we, we just deal with and we move on. We never have to deal with it again. No, every moment of every day, I have to avoid the trap of focusing on earthly things. Why? Because earthly things keep coming at me constantly. Right? There's never a moment where earthly things aren't coming at me. And so I have to constantly make sure that my focus isn't on those temporary things, but is on those things that are eternally significant. Right? i got to focus on that which actually matters. So how do we do that? Well, we do that by remembering that our citizenship is in heaven and not on this earth. So we want to press on to reach the goal of knowing Christ. We want to set our mind on the true things of God. We want to look to the example of those who are mature. We want to avoid the trap of focusing on earthly things. And then lastly and finally, we want to remember that our citizenship is in heaven. Look with me in verse 20. Paul says, listen, you know how you avoid having your mind set on earthly things? You remember verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. Now, I want us to pause for a minute and I want to make sure we understand the significance of this statement. Listen, I, 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 don't want to, I don't want you to take this any other way than what Scripture here, I think, is clearly and plainly teaching. Listen, while we may be citizens of the country that we live in or were born in, our allegiances and passion should be reserved for our true citizenship, which lies in heaven. Amen? Listen, say amen to that. Even if it hurts, say amen to that. Right? I'm going to read. Our efforts should not be to restore this life or this country or anything else that is on this earth, but to do all we can for the kingdom of God. Why? Because we already know that this earth is temporary. We know that things are going to progressively continue to get worse. We know how the story ends. Amen? It ends with the destruction of this earth. It ends with the restoration of the kingdom of God, which is eternal. So let's focus on what matters for the sake of eternity. Amen? Listen, I, I know it's easy. I'm guilty of it as well. Like, like we, we just get so worked up over earthly things. Almost, almost as if we get surprised when things on earth are bad. We were guaranteed they were going to get bad. Amen? We were guaranteed they were going to be bad. So why do we act like, it, like we're shocked when it is bad? Like, like, listen, I got a newsflash for you. The world is sinful. Right? It's, it's steadily walking away from the truth of the gospel. 
Sinners are going to act like sinners. Right? And so that shouldn't surprise us. We should be prepared for that. We should expect that. And it should help us to be even more focused on the fact that I am a citizen of God's kingdom. Amen? Now, does that mean that I'm not glad that I was born in America and have the freedoms we have? Listen, there's no place I'd choose to be born other than where I was born. Right? Like by God's grace, I was born here. But I can tell you one thing. It wasn't by my choice or by anything I did. It was by God's grace. Right? I'm an American because God graciously allowed me to be born here. That's it. Right? And so I don't, I don't look down my nose at anybody else from any other country because by God's grace, they were born where they were born. Amen? And the reality is, my citizenship as an American is not what defines me or what I value. I value my citizenship as a kingdom representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what I care about. Because that's all that's going to matter when I stand before Jesus one day. Right? I'm a citizen of the king. And that's all I really care about. Amen? Now, does that mean that I don't value those who have served and those who have fought for the... You, you better believe I value it. Like, I'm so thankful that people in my family, like my grandfather, fought in World War II. I'm so thankful that we have veterans here today that have served this country, that have allowed us to gather here and worship the Lord in freedom today. Amen? Amen. But listen, we've got to make sure that our passion is not for America only, but that our passion is first and foremost for King Jesus. Amen? Now, can you be proud to be an American? Yeah, you ought to be. Right? Serve the country faithfully and well? Yes, you ought to. But you ought to do it as a representative of King Jesus. Amen? Not trying to better the country, not trying to better this, to better this life, to better anything here that is temporary, but instead, your ultimate goal is that you are trying to point people to Jesus. Amen? And so, listen, I think it's a great kind of difficult question to ask ourselves and to consider, to ponder, however you want to think about it. But listen, listen, is my, is my focus and my effort in this life, is it, is it to point people to Jesus? Is it, is it to make an eternal difference? Or am I just doing things that have like temporary differences? Like, like the effects, is it temporary? Or am I trying to have an, an eternal impact here? Right? Listen, we can do common things that have to get done that need to get done, and we can do them with an eternal mindset. Right? I can, I can go hunting with my son tomorrow. We're hoping to go dove hunt tomorrow. I can go hunting with him, and I can be focused on shooting doves and just temporary, eternal, I mean, earthly things that don't really matter. Or I can try to invest in him and let him invest in me as we talk about Jesus while we're doing it. That's an option. And I'd say it's a really good one. Amen? And so, so, like, let's just make sure that we remember that our citizenship is in heaven because I think sometimes we, we forget that our citizenship is in heaven. Right? And you know the awesome thing about your citizenship being in heaven? Right? It's secured by the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't matter how bad things get here and they're going to get worse. Our eternal life is going to be perfect. Amen? So, Let's remember that our citizenship is in heaven. Let's press on to reach the goal of knowing Christ. Let's set our minds on the true things of God. Let's look to the example of those who are mature. Let's avoid the trap of focusing on earthly things and let's remember 
that our citizenship is in heaven. Will you pray with me? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to begin by just asking you, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and as your Savior? One thing that Paul has made clear throughout the book of Philippians is that God loves us. That God sent His Son Jesus in, in, the, in the perfect picture of humility to humbly die on the cross for the creation that He created. And by dying on the cross, He paid for our sins so that if we would put our faith in Him, we could have eternal life. And if you're here this morning, if you're listening online, I want to just begin by encouraging, make sure you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here and you don't, then I would invite you to come during the invitation, maybe to come and talk with me after the service is over. I would love to share with you more about how you can give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you are watching online. I'd encourage you, reach out to us. Reach out to us via messenger. Text me, call me, whatever you want to do. Reach out. I'd love to share with you more about how you can give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Believer, are you pressing on? Are you making every effort to grow in your knowledge and in your relationship with Christ? If, if we're being brutally honest, the answer would be no. Like we might be doing good, but we could always do better. We, we, we want to just encourage one another this morning. Let us continue to press on so that we can grow in our knowledge and in our relationship with Christ. Let's check our mindset. Let's make sure that we are focused on on the the eternal, true things of God. Let's avoid the trap of earthly things. Let's not be focused on earthly things, but instead let's remember that our citizenship is in heaven and that is all that matters. This altar is open. I'll be happy to pray with you, but however the Lord is leading you, I want you to respond in faith and in obedience. Lord, we love you. We thank you again for your word. We thank you for this time that we have to spend in your word. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would now be glorified in how we respond during this invitation. Lord, you work and you provide as we follow. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.